The world of agriculture technology is vast and constantly evolving, with new innovations and companies emerging at a rapid pace. At AgTech Media Group, we understand the importance of staying updated and connected in this dynamic industry, and that's why we're thrilled to announce the launch of our new AgTech Company Directory, a comprehensive and user-friendly resource designed to help you navigate the complex landscape of AgTech innovators. More than just a list, it's a curated collection of companies leading the charge in transforming the AgTech sector from startups pioneering new farming methods to established companies adopting cutting-edge technologies. Our directory spans a wide range of leaders dedicated to advancing agriculture through technology. Whether you're a farmer looking for the latest in crop monitoring tools and investors seeking promising ag tech startups or a researcher interested in sustainable farming practices, ag tech directory is designed to cater to your specific needs. You can filter by sector, technology, size, or location to find exactly what you're looking for. To learn more and to claim your company listing, visit agtechcompanies.com. I've always made a, a model that, you know, leave something better than, than, where you, than how you found it, you know, and always try to make an impact on the world. Whatever you do, make a positive impact, whether it's on someone's life, whether it's on creating something, you know, things aren't going to get created by themselves. So they have to have people that will do it. And I'm one of those doers. Welcome to the Vertical Farming Podcast, weekly conversations with fascinating CEOs, founders, and ad tech visionaries. Join us every week as we dive deep into the world of vertical farming with your host, Harry Duran. Vertical Farming Podcast, Season 2, Episode 3, which I may adjust to Episode 16, so you get a feel for all the episodes available in the catalog. If this is your first time listening, you're in the right place as this is the show where we interview fascinating CEOs and founders of the leading vertical farming companies from around the world. I'm your host, Harry Duran. In case you missed last week's episode, I had a great conversation with Eddie Bedrina, the CEO of Eden Green. It was really a masterclass in understanding product market fit with Eddie's extensive background in his previous marketing company and the expertise that he brings to Eden Green. It's it was really a fascinating story, and I learned a lot, and we've been getting good feedback from the episode as well. Make sure you check it out. Special thanks to our episode sponsor, Series Greenhouse Solutions. If you're looking for a greenhouse solution that will suit your specific climate and growing goals, then talk to an expert from Series Greenhouse Solutions. Series combines passive solar concepts, innovative climate control technologies, and customized grow systems to ensure that their growers are yielding the highest quality product year-round for the lowest operational cost. Visit SeriesGreenhouseSolutions.com, that's spelled C-E-R-E-S, GreenhouseSolutions.com, to learn more. This week, I had the privilege of speaking with Demario Vitalis. He's the founder of New Age Provisions, and in partnership with Freight Farms, has launched his first and on his way to his second container farms. And he talks about the challenges he's overcome in getting the farm launched, how important it is to have the support of family, and how much value he's providing to the community. The topic of food deserts comes up, and it's something we've talked about on previous episodes. And I think what's important is how Mario is sharing all the new things and skills he's had to learn, how his experience in real estate has helped him in this endeavor. And we learn about the ins and the outs of his business, what a typical day looks like for him, and also an important discussion about the opportunities that have been opening up for minority owners, especially with such a small percentage of minority farm owners. It's a really important topic that we discuss. Really enjoyed this inspiring conversation with Mario, so let's get into it. So... Demario Vitalis, uh, better known as Mario, thank you for joining us on uh, the Vertical Farming Podcast. Thanks for having me, Harry. So we are in uh, late September 2020. Just to, I like to timestamp these only because we're going through probably an unprecedented year, and it, it's probably one that most people wish was over by now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so I'm wondering, just as a check-in, how things have been for you personally uh, and, and for, the, for the company, which we'll get into uh, since everything sort of hit the fan on, in March. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, personally for me, it's uh, been tough. You know, I had a few deaths in our family of some pretty close people. So like everyone, you know, I think we're all kind of in a shock on how this year is going and still trying to recover mentally from it. Um, 
so yeah it's uh been been it's been something for me it's a pretty tough year um with the farm you know i am new to farming i uh, just received the greenery in uh late june so i did get off the ground running uh where we were able to get the farm connected and running in about three to four weeks and so we started growing and we're growing healthy vegetables right now which we're proud of and hopefully we'll be to the market pretty soon uh, within the next month or so we're predicting to hopefully you know be started with our csa program farm share program and also be able to go directly to restaurants with some produce yeah that's exciting and i definitely want to dig into that uh sorry to hear for your losses i i lost my best friend from high school uh to uh, COVID as well and uh that's I think un until it happens to someone that close and, and in your case, family, like then mm -hmm. when it really hits home and you realize like how important it is that, <laughs> you know, for people that are not aware of it, it's something that's affecting and the, the, the deaths I think is now we finally crossed the 200,000 mark yeah, 200, here, here in the stats. Yeah. yeah. So that's someone also stay, I, I heard on a, a radio show that average of family members connected to someone that's passing is about nine or 10. So when you think about that, like the impact that it's had is closer to like 2 million people almost in terms of affected like their personal lives. So it's, it's something important not to lose sight of. Yep, seven degrees of separation. So we're all yeah. soon to know someone who will or has been affected. Yeah. So just uh, winding the clock back a little bit, uh, where did you start? Um, and it, it could be either your entrepreneurial journey or your green thumb journey. If you can think back, um, you know, wh what's the earliest memory of that for you? So for me, uh, it's had to start with rental property. That's where I first got a taste of being an entrepreneur. The house that I grew up in, uh, my grandmother owned it. So I had the opportunity to buy it off of her and then I rented it and I still own that house today. Uh, it's almost free and clear, but I'm now renting it to a family member, my aunt. And so real estate kind of start turning me into the entrepreneur. And I was able to not only acquire that property, but also gain a few more parcels over the time. And when I started to look at the income coming in from owning parcels, you know, it kind of made me think about what else could we do? I remember looking into modular homes and, you know, doing homes with shipping containers. And as I was just browsing the Internet, looking at shipping containers and how they make houses out of them, I also saw that they made farms out of them, too. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so that kind of piqued my interest on, oh, wow, you could take a shipping container and kind of design it to grow 365 days a year and make some of the freshest vegetables. And, you know, I was already into real estate, but having vast amounts of agricultural zone land that's something i never had access to and when i found out that you can take these vertical farms and not only put them on any type of lamp they're also movable they're enclosed it's a clean environment you know it kind of intrigued my interest over vertical farming so i did more research and eventually you know i locked into freight farms who to me offered the uh, best type of product and per output product or per output per machine so i just kind of narrowed it down to them and ended up investing in the greenery and that's where i am today that brought me here today <laughs> vertical yeah. farming inside of a greenery and now you're you're uh you're on a vertical farming podcast yeah. <laughs> talking about your experience as well so what was it about that aspect of it because you had the experience mm -hmm. as a property owner and landowner now what was it about the the model the business model of a, of a greenery that attracted you um it was the ease of use i think and just mm. having a easy learning curve for those who have never been introduced to farming i'm a city guy you know i'll be honest i i live in indianapolis indiana i lived in the city all my life i've never did field farming i've never done any type of farming in my life you know so it was very important for me not only knowing how to grow crops, but knowing how to control nutrients and to control the uh, electronic connectivity and also those uh, things that I was not accustomed to in a traditional farming atmosphere. And I think 
having the greenery eliminates some of those factors. Like I don't have to worry about soil. I don't have to worry about my soil yeah. temperature. I don't have to worry about the seasons, you know, uh, only being in Indiana, we have to plant in either May or April in the springtime after the first frost, but in a greenery, I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> so it kind yeah. of eliminated some of those factors that most traditional farming have to have to worry about. And then put me at a playing field where I can be successful my first time out. Like, you know, I'm in my greenery now and if I have time, I'll flip the camera over and you can kind of see some of the plants that I've planted for the first time. I've planted collard greens. I've planted, you know, greens, I mean, lettuce, and it's successful the first time out, you know, without having to tend to the soil or worry about temperatures and, you know, those type of things that traditional farming has to worry about. So, it's, it's probably the ease of use and the way it is for people, normal people to get involved. Uh, that that kind of puts it a, a benefit in my eyes. You may be the first guest that actually broadcasting from within an actual <laughs> yeah, uh, vertical I'm in farm. It. <laughs> hey, it's quiet. So that, Once you turn off all yeah. the fans and everything, you know, it's quiet. <laughs> It sounds good too. Some great makes for a great uh, impromptu recording studio as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, are you the first farmer in your family? I'm the first farmer in my family. Yes, I am. Yeah. Well, well, I don't know how far you want to go back because <laughs> <laughs> you know there was yeah. a time in 1863 where you know. Yeah. But, nah, but I am the first farmer that I know of in my family. You know, I'm the first one in Indiana to own this uh, type of machine the vertical farming greenery. So there's a lot of firsts going on, which kind of makes it scary at the same time, because Mm -hmm. you have to be brave enough to face the unknown. And, you know, there are a lot of things that I wish I can pick up the phone and your go to next door and ask someone, but they're probably not familiar with hydro hydroponic farming out of a 40 foot shipping (laughs) container. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so how, how important was it to have a community of people and, and how has that grown and what does that look like in terms of people that can support you when you have do have questions like that? So um, I think the support that I get from the freight farms, marketing and engineering team is great. You know, I use them to help me build my community and to give me the answers that I need. So whenever I have a problem, I can just pick up the phone and give them a call. They're available, quick to answer, and they're willing to help. Other than that, you know, I I have been able to reach out to a few hydroponic farmers who do like microgreens and and things like that. And they give us insights on how to grow pH levels we should be looking at and um, things like that. And also where to get uh, stuff in the city, like um, different tools, buckets and nutrients that we need. So it's good to have a community. But I think, you know, with us, with me being so new to the hydroponic farming and having this piece of equipment, you know, I have to rely more on the manufacturer to give me the information I need uh, to, if there's a problem. How did you make the decision? Because when I'm looking at the site, I see in terms of the product overview, you've got herbs, leafy greens, microgreens, fruits, lettuce, even cannabis there. So how do, how are you making that call about what's the proper mix, um, especially for your first one, so you have the best chance of success? So um, I didn't do a good job the first time out. I planted everything, (laughs) (laughs) everything out on the site. I have probably have growing in here. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I've got collard greens and, you know, those are growing for a restaurant that I'm close to, uh, Simply Southern Soul Food. Okay. I also just tried a few things out that I'm just experimenting with. Um, I'm also growing a lot of uh, herbs like... um, basil and mint growing a lot of those and it's a contract grow for freight farms so i have the opportunity to provide those to the market but i think me as of now i'm just kind of experimenting and seeing what grows best in the greenery but the collie greens and the lettuce are for the csas those are spoken for (laughs) (laughs) cannabis too probably but (laughs) (laughs) that depends on the laws uh, you know obviously the laws in in your local state as well so yeah so in indiana um you have to have a license to grow and i do have a license to grow and handle and it's cbd only you know marijuana is not legal here so it has to be 0.3 percent and below so i have to get my plants tested when they start to flower and just make sure that their levels are below the legal limit 
Okay. And so how do you think about the challenge uh, and how are you working through the challenges? Because one aspect of it is obviously picking what has the best chance of growing, what you like growing and, and what you actually think you have to have on your sales hat also. Um, what's the market for specific greens in your area? So now that you've experimented with a couple, um, how are you thinking about this from a marketing perspective too? Because you have to wear multiple hats, right? As, as, as the entrepreneur. That is true. Um, from a marketing standpoint, uh, I, I know that collard greens will be successful in our area because they don't grow too well in the Midwest. And we typically get a lot of products shipped in from uh, either West Coast or mm. down South. So things like that, uh, herbs and um, basil and mint, they'll, they'll be successful because, again, you know, those are fresh herbs that have a less of a shelf life and especially when you include the transit time they start to lose value and they start to lose their freshness when you include the transit time so i'm trying to get things that consumers will appreciate like you know if if i'm growing greens they're top bunch collard if i'm growing mint it's not the common mint that you can get in the stores Mm. you know it's the spearmint the peppermint if i'm growing kale it's not the kale that you can get in the stores it's black kale you know so i kind of want to have a distinct uh, mix where not the stuff that you could get in stores, but yet, you know, if you compared it to the stuff you get in stores, you can see the quality and the freshness within our product is superior. Is that something that it's important to you to demonstrate and educate your customers about freshness? Because they may not think about, and most people don't, like Mm -hmm. how many miles did this lettuce travel to get to my plate? And how does that affect, you know, how fresh it is and how fresh they want to make it look, you know, depending on the fancy packaging and the, (laughs) and the marketing and then, and, you know, freshly picked and triple washed and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, so, so part of it is an education process for your consumers as well. Yep, that's that's one hundred percent correct. You know, education is is a huge part of it because in in a, in a consumer's eyes, you know, when you put two pieces of mint in front of them, they're not going to know the difference between a hydroponic one and a probably the one that was grown from soil. So you have to educate them and you have to let them see the texture and the taste of um, the product. So you know, that's why it was very important for me to get growing first of all and to kind of offer a variety of products to the to the to some some choice restaurants that we have in the area but education is key so i will have to come in to front of the customer with you know knowing the product knowing the differences between them and also you know knowing how they're superior and how local you know local product we have a lot of flexibility you know if this is not what you're looking for in six to eight weeks i can have you something different you know that's that's huge you know having that flexibility being able to not only uh, know where the product comes from, but having a line to your farmer, you know, they have a direct contact yeah. to me if they need. So I yeah. can be there when they need it. So I think that's that support is an additional um, benefit of buying local and buying from uh, uh, New Age Provisions Farms that they wouldn't get if they bought it from a, a store or, you know, big supplier. Can you recall any examples of where you're doing taste tests or giving people, you know, this is what it tastes like when it's, you know, fresh and you know, literally just picked yesterday <laughs> versus something <laughs> something else? And, and and do people like, can they taste a difference? And, and are they surprised? Yeah, the biggest thing is to invite them to the farm. You know, that's what I typically like to do and let them look at the uh, how we grow. And as they look, you know, I can offer them tastes and samples of it and they take it and smell it and like taste and like, oh, I can taste the difference and you can feel the zing like in your mouth and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's that's very important. And also um what we what we plan to do uh soon is also uh, when our plants get mature enough, we'll uh take them out the pods and you know take samples and get them in front of chefs and be like, okay, here's what we have growing. This is what mm. we have available. And, you know, let them see, let them pick it up and see how the plant still has the roots attached to it and how it's live. And, you know, I think that in itself will be a selling point that they can finally see, touch and smell the product. And how much of that is you, you know, doing the old school knocking door to door or are these relationships that you've built up, you know, 
in your previous exposure to the community and, and, and ties that you've had maybe through real estate or anything like that? Or um, just can you talk a little bit about the building of the relationships with restaurants and, and, and letting them know that you, you are here as an alternative now for some fresher uh, local produce? Yeah, a lot of it is going to be word to mouth, you know, so I have a few connections with uh, uh, people within restaurants, so I'm going to get set up with chefs and with uh, those key decision makers. And then some of it is just going to be just going door to door, you know, try to get catch them in their off hours before noon, before, you know, the, any the restaurant opens and just knock on the door and like, hey, I have something to show you, <laughs> you know, but but. It's it's going to be a mix of things, but as long as I can get the product in front of the consumer, you know, I think that's the biggest the biggest part of it. Can you talk a little bit about this like, this concept of food deserts, and especially within like low moderate income neighborhoods, and 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 for neighborhoods with uh, heavily skewed towards minorities? And you know, I, I grew up in New York. I'm Latino, and you know, you would see just there was just these pockets of places in the city that where it's just like the sea town or just like the, the, the yep. cheapest market possible with the cheapest food and it's not healthy. So I'm wondering how you think about the importance of your role in, in trying to increasing awareness about, you know, this, this challenge that these communities face. Yep, definitely. That's a good point. Um, so where were you located? Uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana, 3415 East 10th Street. Um, it's an upcoming neighborhood near East Side area renewal effort. So a lot of money has been put in from the city and federal government to bring the neighborhood up and revitalize the neighborhood. And within doing that, the reason how they got to that is because the USDA and other federal resources did a study on access to food for individuals living in the area. And, and this kind of gets imp- to the importance of the census and all those things going on, they actually do have some good benefits. And I think as you look to into what's going on in our area, one of the benefits is that we're starting to get more funding and uh, more infrastructure built in our neighborhood. But since the study happened, uh, they determined that this area is considered a food desert. And, that, and what it means is that within this certain population, people have to travel five or more miles to get to a a, a place of food, like a store. Mm-hmm. So like I could think of right now, we don't have any Kroger's nearby. There's no Whole Foods. Like the closest Whole Foods is downtown. And that's uh, 10 miles from where I'm at now. The closest Kroger is probably... I would say off of 71st street. So okay. what I'm saying is that the, if you look at the population and since we're an up and coming neighborhood, a lot of the people around us are minorities or people within low income, low income brackets, and they don't have the transportation or access to get to those food places. So being that they don't have the food places are outside of their reach, they had designated this as a food desert. And being outside of their reach, I'm meaning like their transportation reach, the bus system, the the, yeah. the the transportation system, you know, it's not easy to get access to certain foods within this certain area. So it's considered a food desert. Now you can go 10 miles north and there's not a food desert because they have a Kroger right there. But like here where we are, you know, access to food is pretty limited. And I'm talking about specifically fresh food, you know, like we have fast food around here, but you're not going to go anywhere right now and get a fresh head of lettuce unless you hopped on the bus or took a car and drove to Whole Foods or Kroger. It's just not accessible here. Mm. And so I think, our role as a local farmer is trying to, you know, mend that gap, try to offer an option for people who, or even restaurants who don't have this immediate access to food. And one thing we want to do is kind of just make ourselves available and known to the community that we are a local farmer here and you can walk by and you won't see the land. You won't see the traditional crop rows and all that, but we have a 40 foot shipping container that's able to put out over three acres of fresh produce annually. So it's just going to be that learning curve where it will be a hurdle, but being that our community has already been designated as a food desert and shouldn't be too complicated to overcome. 
I'm waiting for the first uh, shipping container that has a drive to window. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you gave me an idea. <laughs> yeah. What's been the response to your friends, your family, you know, when as you're doing this business? Because uh, it's something new. You mentioned you are, <laughs> you know, probably the first farmer in in recent history within your family. So, what, what's been, the, you know, what are the questions they're asking? And and I imagine there's a lot of curiosity as to what you're up to. Yeah, most people are impressed, you know, when they see it and they see the vegetables growing, they're like, oh, wow, this is neat. You know, I didn't think that you can grow in a vertical f form, you know, and and so they're mo mainly taken back. And then when you put the lights on, the infrared, blue and, <laughs> blue and red lights, like they're like, oh, man, I'm blown away. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's like setting it's how does the saying go? Um, don't go where the path may follow, but make a path for others, but mm. lead the way and others will follow. Yeah. So I think most people, most of my family are impressed and they're just kind of like, you know, this is uh, some state of the art thing that, you know, that's, it's different, new, new, unique and different. Do you feel a sense of responsibility as, as someone who's sort of paving the way within your community? Because, you know, when you think of, you ask kids when they're younger, you know, everyone wants to be like an astronaut, a police mm -hmm. officer, a cowboy, whatever, <laughs> <Just> <laughs> whatever you think about when you're that age. But I, I think the challenge is not having role models who are doing different things. And I, and, you know, I imagine if you've brought kids into that, they're just like, wow, this is cool. I, you know, and it's just give people, you know, kids, especially kids in these communities, um, some inspiration, I think, is, is always a good thing. Yeah, I think uh, this is definitely putting me in the forefront of being a leader and also a leader in agriculture. You know, I'm an African-American, and so there's not a lot of people or a lot of people that look like me that can afford this type of farm equipment or at least have the land to put it on. So, you know, with me being able to offer people that these are options for you to have and own a business that there is a future in agriculture if you can achieve this the type the proper type of funding and get the farm equipment and that this is what you can do when you have that you know i, I do appreciate that leadership position that you know god has put me in and so i do consider myself a leader and i and i i think that i do have a responsibility to give back to the community and uh, i do also plan to set up some type of mentorship or some type of uh, program where kids could come in and uh, whether they're on a summer courses or whether they're doing internships, but have some type of exposure to this type of hydroponic farming. So this farm equipment has been able to open up many doors. And I've even had people come in here and be like, oh, yeah, you know, I can see things where you partner with schools and kids mm -hmm. who want to be in uh, what is it? botany you know they can come yeah. up with their own strain of herbs or their own strain of yeah. leafy greens you know they can learn to um crossbreed and make their own uh their own different strains of you know plants so that's and that's something that people wouldn't been able to consider because if you are trying to control the elements of land and weather, it's going to be hard to control what your plants do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but now you've yeah. taken those elements out and it allows you to concentrate on like the plants genes or something, you know, you, you finally get to control that and you have to worry about the elements affecting it. You sort of feel like a little bit of a mad scientist sometimes. I, hey, I, I get in here and I get crazy, man. I just start looking at these little guys and I'm like, okay, let me. I want to cut this and stick some, stick it onto some mint or something, see what it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do I get to that there. point one day. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because uh, I'm, I'm wondering as you were when you were doing the real estate thing, if, if you ever, you <laughs> know, if you ever thought you were going to be thinking about things like uh, climate control and things about you know, hybridization <laughs> and all this, all this new things that you're having to learn, you know, you'll never be, you know, like they say, it takes a lifetime um, to master, but you know, you can, you can continue to make progress, you know, on, mm -hmm. on a daily basis, improve your skills. Yeah. I see where you're coming from too. I, like when I got into real estate, I never imagined I'd be in the farm. And I mean, I, I graduated from Purdue university. Uh, my degree was in management and I have a, an associate's degree in industrial technology. I thought I'd be in the automotive industry all my life. <laughs> I just never imagined I'd be sitting inside of a piece of farm equipment called the a hydroponic yeah. farm called the greenery, looking at fresh lettuce or fresh collard greens and kale. I, you you would have never imagined, you know, <laughs> I just can't. It, it's just funny how the, how the, how things just took a turn. 
Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think real estate enabled me to kind of get that mindset, that entrepreneur mindset, but it didn't prepare me for where I am now. <laughs> What's some of the hardest lessons you've had to learn in the greenery, you know, being a hydroponic farmer, different than probably you had already learned and experienced in real estate? Oh, it's what plants need to live, which is, you know, the nutrients and learning to control uh, EC, electronic connectivity. You have to watch your levels. You know, if, if the EC gets too high, your plants are going to burn up and mm. just trying to keep the maintenance on the um, on the water, making sure the water is fresh. And I think that's the biggest thing for me, learning to control the nutrients, control the EC, and also um, just starting up the business and learning the aspects of that, starting up a farming business. Because like I mentioned before, it's totally different than real estate. There's some nuances that you didn't think you'd have, you didn't think you'd have to pay attention to, but you do. (laughs) So yeah, I think in its own, you know, just learning to control nutrients, learning what plants like, and also learning what the market wants are going to be the big things that I have to get used to. That's much different than real estate. Whereas a property, it just sits there, you improve it, and then it's desirable for someone to buy. Whether these were, were, and it's different with plants, you know. It must be an interesting feeling to walk in there every day and have all these living organisms that, like, are under your care. <laughs> so you're, you know, you're caring for all these living, living things, and, and it must be uh, an interesting feeling to to to, to know that that you, that's your responsibility. It is. It is interesting. And it it just gives you some appreciation. You know, you, you start to appreciate the life of of a plant, how it starts from a seed and then it starts to germinate. Uh, you, then it starts to require more light and more water before then it starts to get its roots before it grows into the growth tower. So it's like you look at the seed. It's like you look at the plant from seed to its growth phase and you start to appreciate the aspect of that a little bit more. Yeah. And, and I imagine that's the same feeling people have when they come see it for the first time and you, and you show them the journey. I'm like, look, this is the seed and this is, you know, this is how we're doing the seedlings. And then, then the seedlings make, they grow and then we transport them here. And we just take for granted, I think, how food ends up on our plate, whether it's, you know, produce or, you know, when people, they never know, want, want to know how the sausage is made. They just want to yeah, eat it. Yeah, they just it. want to eat it. <laughs> Yeah, so, that's, 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 that's 100% right. And, you know, I've, I've even had the opportunity to bring my kids in here and let them help me with the seeding and stuff. And they learn an appreciation as well. You know, they put the seeds in the pot and then after a while, the mm. seeds will germinate and they'll become seedlings and the seedlings go to growth towers and the plants grow from there, become mature plants before they're ready to harvest. It really yeah. gives them an appreciation for the life cycle of a plant. It's so interesting because with all the different hats that you have to wear, because normally, you know, you're like, okay, this is done, pick, pick the plant and then give it to whoever, but that's whatever step in the process that is for you, you're not done because you have to, (laughs) you have to package it. You have to figure out how to, who to sell it to, who's going to be the customer. And then you got to sort of switch gears. You got to put your marketing hat on now and you got to put your, your PR hat on and you have to do your, your business development hat on. And so... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's interesting. You got to learn all those all those skills. Yeah, yeah, and that's the life of a small farmer. You know, I mean, it's it's one thing to be able to grow produce, but the next step is being able to get it out and get it in front of the people who want it. So I'm sure every farmer's had to overcome that. You know, you just can't grow it and expect it to leave your farm and yeah, without putting some effort in. So that's something that you definitely well, I definitely have to get used to and. Uh, will overcome eventually. Maybe to be me being a new farmer, you know, I still have some time to do it, but it's going to be a hurdle that I will do. And so, for those who are listening, who are interested and have thought about uh, going down this path, what what's a typical day look like for you? So, a typical day for me, um, I come into the farm and you know, I check on the seedlings, check the uh, trays. I'll just show you. Let me flip my camera around. Yeah, yeah, sure. You'll like this. How's that? <laughs> I apologize for the listener. You won't be able to get the side, the the, the view, but uh... so anything. I come in. I look at the trays, and so um, I I kind of take the trays and 
see if any of them sprouted and then from there uh, we'll see if any of them are ready for the growth towers and if they're ready for the growth towers we'll start to move them around and then uh, one of the last things I do is check the levels of uh, all the pH and all the water levels and if they need the water levels need to be filled I would fill them up from that point you know it's pretty easy going there's there's uh, once you learn and get the concept of seeding transplanting and then harvesting and do your maintenance it's a pretty easy machine to operate it sort of how uh takes care of itself once it, once you've got the the knack for what you got to check on, on yeah pretty basis. much pretty much and yeah. uh, freight farms they help you out tremendously you know they're all they're always willing to help and they're always there so if you have any questions or anything you can always give them a call and does this help you think about as you have this container aspirations of of growing <laughs> the business? It's funny you ask that. I've already ordered a second container. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's expected to be in here in December. So, yeah, we've already made the decision to grow the business. And um, when we when we put in when we built the infrastructure for this one, uh, we built it so that we can have electricity for four containers. So we have. Okay possibility to scale in the future with our second container we imagine being able to stack two on top of it so uh yeah we we, we have the future in mind and uh now talk to me also how you're learning and and what you're learning about being a business owner and then also growing a team because at some point you're going to need some help <laughs> running yeah. these containers and running the business as well Definitely, definitely. And I've, I've been talking a lot with um, Hammock Greens in, in Miami, Florida. Um, they're further down the line than we are. Uh, they own like uh, four or five uh, freight farm uh, greenery or leafy green machine. So we've definitely been talking to them and kind of using them as mentors to help us build our our structure and what they say is you know have a person for maintenance have a person who can help with uh, customer service have a person who can help with seeding and transplanting and once you have those people in place that's when things start to get easier so i can imagine having a head count of like four people within the next six months that'll be there or that i will need to kind of help me grow this business and how do you feel about that? <laughs> Does that scare you? Or is that, you know, no, it doesn't we, scare we, me because uh, I have a lot of family that want to help. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah, so the I've got benefits. a lot of family members that you know are eager to help. I have friends that want to get involved. So it doesn't quite scare me. I know I've helped there. Um, it's more it's more of you know just the unknown. How how will I go about it? But I think you know it's, the the need is there, and I think the the ability to do it is there. So it shouldn't be too hard to get done. I get the sense from our conversation and the things you've accomplished over your life that you're the type of person that gets things done. <laughs> uh, where does where does that drive come from? Oh man, I guess it comes from just not having nothing. <laughs> mm. You know, I mean, I've I've it, it's been it, life has not been easy. It's been a challenge. So it's just kind of if 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 it what things weren't given to me. So the drive just comes from going out to be a go getter, go get it. You know can't sit up and do nothing or you wake mm -hmm. up and you won't have anything accomplished. So I've always made a, a model that, you know, leave something better than, than where you, than how you found it. Yeah, that's you a good know, one. Always try to make an impact on the world, whatever you do, make a positive impact, whether it's on someone's life, whether it's on creating something, you know, things aren't going to get created by themselves. So they have to have people that will do it. And I'm one of those doers, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person that, I'll open up a package and probably start putting things together and then like, oh, there go the directions. <laughs> Let me yeah. see where the directions are or what does it say once I get into some trouble. But yeah, yeah I'm, ready, I'm, fire, I'm, ready, fire, aim. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, I think the drive comes from my mother too, because she's also a strong person and, you know, she's she's a leo uh her birthday's in august and okay. she just has a has a strong drive about her and she's uh always been on my side and been able to encourage me when i get down and and help me along you know she's she's there as a strong supporter uh for the farm she's always she's also been here and helped me put in saturation strips and things like that okay. so yeah she's 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 a she's a big supporter for me 
Well, that's important to to have those people in your life that you can count on that you you know are sort of like your rock when when you when you go through the ups and downs and I'm sure there's memories of um when she's been there uh, to support you and to get you to the point where you're at now and and I know you're appreciative uh, I'm sure appreciative of that as well. Yep, definitely. What's her reaction? What was the first reaction when she saw when she came in for the first time and just kind of explaining, you know, what? Oh, she was like, "Oh, this is neat!" And then you know, so she just she was just surprised. Most people who come in, uh, they're they're impressed, you know, just looking at the the greenery, looking at the plants in the in the nursery, the seedlings how they're starting from little sprouts to becoming uh, big seedlings, and then you take them over to the um, growth towers and they yeah. get to see how the plants grow vertically. And as they're walking down there, you know, I like to put the lights on and give them that bright look, yeah. <laughs> give them that shine the bright lights on them, and yeah. you know, then they see how the plants use the lights, and then they can see the water and last I might let them get a taste test. So they can see that. So they yeah. can see the freshness of it. And then from that point on, you know, like everyone, you know, my mother was really impressed about it and just kind of knew that this is state of the art machine. And yeah, being the only one in Indiana, it can open up some doors. Can you think of any other, um, relationships you've built up over the years that have been helpful for you from like a mentorship perspective or inspiration perspective? I think maintaining relationships is more important to me, you know, because yeah. I've I've I have a lot of good people in my corner, a lot of good friends who have supported me, you know, a lot of good friends from high school uh, who who are still in on in my on my side today, and I That's couldn't have did it if it wasn't for them, you know, and they're they're people like me who grew up, uh, went to high school together, and just kind of maintained and had a, a hustler's mind and always, and we may have went our separate ways, but you know, we, we all came back to want to do business and to collaborate on different things together. So I think having a support structure of friends and family is very important and no matter, and whatever business you do, no matter if it's farming, real estate, or just, you know, yeah. in life, uh, you need to have a good st- structure of family, friends, and also having God on your side as well. You know, that's also very yeah. important to have him in the forefront of your life and, just kind of, you know, letting him uh, be involved in all the decisions that you make. Yeah, having some sort of, you know, connection to something bigger than yourself is helpful, especially in those times when things start to look a little, <laughs> you know, like you need the help and it's nice to have uh, someone in your corner be like, okay, uh, I don't always ask for help, but I need help this time. So <laughs> Yeah, you got it. <laughs> What's a, a, a tough question you've had to ask yourself recently? Oh, um, that's a good one. Uh, I would say the toughest question is, you know, like, where am I going to sell some of this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but like, I've, I've, uh, like I've told you before, you know, I've once, one thing I've done is I come in here and I've like planted a lot of seeds and have different things growing. So I'm trying out a lot, you know, I've got strawberries, I've got tomatoes growing, I've got beets growing, uh, I've got um, stevia, I've got lemon basil, wow. Thai sweet Thai basil, <laughs> Genovese basil. I've got all kind of stuff growing. So I think it, I, one thing I'm going to ask myself is how do I narrow my focus, uh, get to a point where I'm uh, growing efficiently and, you know, just being able to capitalize on time and, you know, just being able to have product that people want to buy. So I think that's, to me, that's like the toughest thing, you know, what, what is going to be my product line? And, you know, every six months, like what is going to be that demand? What's demand going to be? How do I stay on top of it? And also when the next greenery comes as well, you know, how are, how are we going to be able to expand? Ban successfully, but I think those are questions every entrepreneur asks themselves. Those yeah. are the type of things that keep you up at night. And if you're not thinking about your business, and if you're not always figuring out how to make it grow, you know, you're not doing the right thing. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's yeah. me right there. You know, trying to figure out not only how to make the farming business grow, but you know, I got the real estate on the side too. So, <laughs> how do we oh, do yeah, that? How do we do with that? Yeah, it's it's. it's what has you excited as you think about the next, uh, you know, two or three years? I think that hydroponic farming is going to blow up and those who are on the forefront, they're going to be the ones to benefit. I mean, as you can see how natural disasters are happening, how what's going on in California, one of the mm. major hubs for food 
yeah. they're in droughts, they're in forest fires. So that's going to, that's going to alter the supply. We saw how COVID-19 op- uh, alters the supply of food. So I think within the next few years, it's going to gear more towards local farming and people are going to start appreciating and being more aware of where their products come from and going to have more, uh, I would say more knowledge on healthy eating, have more knowledge on, you know, vitamins and things that you put in your body and, as the consumer starts to become more knowledgeable about where their things going, where their things are coming from and what they put in their body, I think uh, people with hydroponic backgrounds or people in agriculture become more, um, they're going to become more desired. You know, local farming is going to become more desired. Organic produce will become more desired because a lot of people in the consumer are becoming smart. They're being aware of what's going on in our world. They're being aware of global warming. They're being aware of, you know, forest fires and natural disasters affecting the supply. So yeah. uh, I think local farmers are going to have more of an important role in the future, especially within the next three to five years. And um, having pieces of equipment like the greenery will enable those who once had aspirations to farm but did not have the resources, the land, the money. It's going to create opportunities for those people to cross that bridge and to get involved in this business. Now, I remember reading an article and it talked about just how the percentage of African-American farmers have decreased over the years. And I think it's now at 3% or less in North America. Mm. Wow. Having people know that, you know, this is an opportunity that is available even if you don't own the land is going to be huge, you know, and this is a way that it can be done with the greenery and with this freight farm hydroponic equipment. Yeah, and, and not to put too much pressure on your shoulders, but you are leading the way. So <laughs> Go ahead. <man. laughs> yeah, your role model and you know, you know, for uh I don't know if there's a new term, farmers of color. So, so maybe start that one up. Like, well, there, there's F- the Black F-O-C. Farmers Association. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, Black yeah. Farmers Association. But it, it's yeah. just kind of funny, you know. I just keep it real, you know. My my ancestors uh, were brought here to this land, you know, for agriculture purposes. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, we were once slaves, and that was our job to till the land and. It's funny now in today's society, there's not a lot of people that look like me that still own the land. So it's just kind of getting back to that. You know, we can get back to still being able to work and produce without owning the land and letting people see that there are opportunities within the agriculture business without owning the land. And I think to me, once I separated the concept that you have to own the land to farm, it was, it became, you know, I was aware then, you know, that you don't have to have the two to have one. You mm. can still farm and not own the land. So it's yeah. getting back to that, you know. Very, very inspirational story. What's uh, one thing that most people might not know about you? Fun fact. <laughs> okay, let me think about this one. So uh, I like to knit. I actually knitted three stars. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I was uh, the Super Bowl came to Indianapolis, and I was on the Super Scarves Committee, and That's I hilarious. knit three scarves. I knit three scarves. Jim Irsay has one of my scarves, the owner of the Colts. Oh, yeah, wow. I've got one hanging up, and the other one I donated to a volunteer. But yeah, it was, it was a fun. It, that's a fun fact. I, people may not know that, but yeah, <laughs> I do knit in my spare time. So, <laughs> so you're a teddy bear at heart, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was what well, was interesting. Like that seems like one of those skills that is probably like helps to de-stress. Like you know, it's one of those things that just like if you want to take your mind off anything else that's going on, just start knitting and just then you get your mind off your business at least for mm-hmm. an it sure hour will. Or two once or you, yeah, once you're there for an hour or two, you're like man, what was that I was thinking about? <laughs> Who taught you? I think you? that's some. T- well, see, uh, there's a lady in a local lady who owns Vertigo Knits. I think her name is Karen Schmidt. She, she, it was her and uh, there's another lady who taught me how to knit. And, and what they did was they put me in front of a simple pattern and just be like, okay, you cross stitch this and then you pull it out and you keep yeah, yeah, doing yeah. this with the needles. And 
after a while, you know, it started to become fun. And then we used to sit around and have little knitting sessions and (laughs) everyone would just be in a circle with their yarn and just kind of gossiping and knitting at the same time. Like, okay, this is what the, this is the little lady, old ladies like to do. Okay. This is cool. (laughs) It is a way to de-stress. Yeah. We had knitting clubs and everything. (laughs) Now you got to find a way to mix in like the knitting with the farming or something with the, with the marketing. my, My marketing brain always kicks in. I'm like, there's got to be a way to like mix in some of that. So, <laughs> yeah, that is true. That. Maybe hand knit something or hand knit some sort of marketing thing. Like uh, you can give to people or repeat customers or something like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good one. Maybe a scarf or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The holidays are coming up. So you always have to think about uh, things from a, brand, a branding perspective. And, and that feels like it's always something you're working on. But um, yeah, I mean, I appreciate you you taking the time to come on here. I know it's uh, may, might be a new experience for you to be talking about the business, but I'm new to vertical farming as well, just learning. And that's why I started this podcast to just educate my listeners, learn more and sort of, you know, scratch my own itch and and, and talk to just amazing founders. And, and I'm just appreciative for the opportunity. And I'm glad we got connected and I'm really, really excited about what you're doing, especially for what you're doing to support the, you know, the African-American community, minority community, and just educating and giving inspiration to kids, I think is, is something that's really important. So I congratulate you for that. Thank you. I do appreciate you having me on the Vertical Farming Podcast, and I do appreciate the time that you've allowed me. Uh, and I, yeah, I get very excited when we talk about this subject, and so I'm, I'm, all, I'm glad I was able to share with you today. Yeah. So where's the best place for folks to learn more about New Age Provisions and to connect with you online? Uh, you can go to our website, newageprovisions.com, or you can email us at newageprovisions at gmail.com, or, you know, just feel free to give me a call anytime. I'm very easy to get in touch with. My number hasn't changed for almost 20 years now. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. I have a New York City number because I grew up in New York. And Mm -hmm. so wherever I I travel, it's a 212 number, which is kind of rare. Most people don't have that. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we also have a farm share program uh, on on the domain farmshareprogram.com. So those in the Indianapolis area, they can subscribe and have fresh farm food delivered to them right to their door. All right. So yeah, we'll, we'll get the word out. We'll put all those links in the show notes as well. So when people listen to the podcast, uh, maybe your phone will start blowing up. Awesome. Or as they used to say back in the day that your pager start blowing up. (laughs) (laughs) I used to have a pager too. (laughs) Beat me nine one (laughs) one. Yeah. Going back old school. So yeah. Uh, Well, thanks again for your time and I'll be following your journey. So I, I appreciate it, Mario. Awesome. Thanks, Harry. Really enjoyed that conversation with Mario. It's really inspirational to see how he's making a difference in his community, how he's bringing awareness to possibilities for minority farm owners, and just his inspirational story and and the success that he's having really brought a smile to my face. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Tune in next week for my conversation with John Purcell, the CEO of Unfold. Special thanks to our episode sponsor, Series Greenhouse Solutions. Series is creating sustainable growing environments by combining smart design, innovative technology, and dynamic partnerships. Learn more at seriesgs.com. That's C-E-R-E-S-G-S dot com. If you enjoyed this episode or past episodes, I'd love it if you leave a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP. We'll be sure to read them out on future episodes. Until we meet again next week, here's to your health. Thanks for listening. To read the full show notes for this episode, which includes any links mentioned in the episode, as well as a full show transcription, visit verticalfarmingpodcast.com. There, you can sign up for our email list to be notified when new episodes are published.